This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your hosts, Chris Spear and Andrew Wilkinson. Each week, we'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. The following episode is one of our COVID Zoom sessions. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org and on Facebook and Instagram at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. This is episode 38 of the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. So this is a kind of different episode. Most of our episodes have been interviews with food entrepreneurs. But this week, I had the chance to talk to a group of moms about cooking at home. They reached out to me and wanted to get some tips on cooking for their family, cooking for their kids, and cooking with limited ingredients. You know, right now, uh, supplies are kind of limited at the grocery store, and I think people are trying to make do with what they have on hand. So we talked for about 40 minutes. I gave them some some things that I think have worked for myself in my home. A couple of years ago, my wife and I were teaching healthy cooking lessons here in Frederick, and the classes revolved around easy meals that were inexpensive to pull together, that the whole family loved, and using ingredients that were somewhat shelf-stable, you know, things that you could buy and keep on hand, like dried beans or frozen vegetables, things like that. So that's kind of where I went with it. You know, I think it's it's a good episode for people, especially if you're a home cook and maybe struggling with creativity in the kitchen, just trying to give you some ideas to think about some new ways of doing things. You know, this is definitely not a traditional Chefs Without Restaurants episode. I'm not talking to anyone about their food businesses. I just thought I'd uh, share this since I had already gone to the trouble of recording it and I had it. So I thought I'd just put it out there, hoping that maybe someone picks up a tip or two from this. So I hope you're all having a great weekend and I can't wait to catch up with so many of you in person. Okay, that's it. Enjoy your Mother's Day. So I'll just say thanks everyone for joining. This is Chris. Um, Chris, I, I know you just basically through Facebook and, and texting, but if you don't mind maybe sharing about like your background as, the, as well as your business that you do. And then um, I did pass along. There was like one or two questions that our group had. So we figured we could start with that unless you wanted to discuss something yeah. first and then we'll yeah. just go open it up. So I have a business called Perfect Little Bites, and the whole idea is bringing a restaurant experience to your house. I've worked in food for 25 plus years now. It's all I've ever done. Uh, and I really wanted to kind of have the idea of starting my own restaurant without all the cost and overhead of that. And having had a background in catering, um, it she just seemed like a natural progression. So instead of like a traditional caterer who does big parties or these private chefs who do drop off, reheat meals, I come into your home and I bring everything. I will do a custom menu based around what you say you like, don't like, any diet restrictions. And then I come and I set your table with my own silverware, linen napkins. I bring all my own china, pots and pans. And I hang out in your house for like three or four hours and cook like a four to seven course dinner. And it's as interactive as you want. So if you want to have it be like a cooking demo and come on in and help cook, you can do that. If you want to just have like a romantic anniversary dinner for two at home, I can give you a little more space and just kind of go off what you're looking for. So I really love doing that. And, you know, a big thing I'm interested in is helping people become better cooks, um, you know, at home, whatever. My wife used to be a chef. She's now a registered dietitian. So for a couple of years, we we're doing classes at the Tally Rec in Frederick and we we're doing once a month, like 
healthy cooking uh, demos. And what we were saying is, you know, the same thing I'm sure all of you are going on. We want healthier meals. We want them fast. We want them not super expensive. And we want things that hopefully like the whole family lead. Does that sound like where everyone's at right now? Like, how do you get home from work? How do you get home from work? And in under an hour, have a meal on the table for a family of like four plus that isn't going to break the bank and is delicious. So I've done a lot of that kind of thing. So I think, you know, in a, a discussion like this, we can talk about some of those tactics and techniques. And then I'd love to get you some info, you know, via email or whatever, after the fact that I can follow up with. So, you know, the first thing I'd say is um, having a well-stocked pantry. So one of the things that I've put together is kind of like a pantry's essentials list. And if anyone wants to like give me their email, I can send that to you. So like when you go to the grocery store, here are the things that I always have on hand. And for me, it's always about having a variety of things like vinegars, different flavored vinegars, or a well-stocked spice pantry, having things like a variety of nuts, stuff that will be non-perishable in the freezer, like frozen vegetables and things. Because you know, right now I'm going to the store once a week at most, uh, more likely like every two weeks. So just stocking up on those things that aren't going to go bad. And then how do you um, use them in multiple different ways? And I think, you know, one of the challenges, I don't know everyone's cooking background and how much experience they have, but I see a lot of people not wanting to be flexible and following recipes to the T. And what I've said is, you know, throw everything out the window, you know, like find a, a base recipe. I love sauces. So I don't know if anyone's familiar with a chimichurri sauce, but it's an herb sauce you can make in the blender. And it's traditionally like 50-50 parsley and cilantro. And then you put in, you know, garlic and red wine vinegar and olive oil. That can go on chicken. It can go on pork chops. It could go on tofu, like literally any protein. You could actually toss it in a pasta. So you find a good recipe for that that you like. You don't have cilantro. You only have parsley. Cool. You can do a 100% parsley chimichurri. You don't have red wine vinegar use rice wine vinegar, use apple cider vinegar, like not getting locked into those things, find a couple things like that, and then take that sauce and put it in ice cube trays and throw it in the freezer or little plastic Ziploc bags. And then, you know, you can take out a four portions worth of chimichurri on a Tuesday night and just zap it in the microwave for 30 seconds and, you know, throw a piece of chicken on the grill or in a pan and put it on top and you've got a meal. So that's kind of, you know, at a very basic level, a lot of the things we're doing is just finding some really flavorful, easy, inexpensive sauces and things like that and preparations that we love and just being a, able to be flexible. The same with a soup. Our favorite soup is uh, it's a chorizo kale uh, black eye pea stew. And I'll give you the recipe if anyone wants it. But once again, like you don't have to use spicy chorizo. You can use Italian sausage. You could put ground beef in it if you want. If you don't have black eye peas or don't like them, you can use black beans. You can use garbanzos, but keeping the same ratio of, you know, a pound of sausage a can of beans and a bunch of greens. It could be collard greens. It could be kale. It could be spinach, you know? So those are some of the things that I usually teach people um, to do. So I guess that's probably a good place to start. What questions does anyone have about anything? I'll open it up. So I'm not good at, like, I'm afraid of seasonings. I just don't even know where to start. And I, I like throw like basic stuff onto my food, but I, I just, all my food is bland, largely because my kids are little, I cooked bland intentionally. And now I'm like, okay, well, I want to introduce seasoning so I can enjoy it. But I don't know how to make the jump from like basic stuff, like straight chicken to something that tastes good without them all being like, we hate this. And I spent an hour making something that nobody likes. So what's like a good middle of the road 
food that's easy to make because I'm not a very good cook. And then like what seasoning should I be using even? Because I, I honestly don't even know if you were to name like five of them, I couldn't even tell you basically what they tasted like. So I don't even know where to start. I have the whole like supply, but I don't know which one. Are there any cuisines that your family really loves? Is it Italian, Mexican? Like I find that the best way to start is to find at least yeah, one cuisine they really love and then kind of scale up your adventuresomeness with that. Yeah, I would say Italian and Mexican. Those mm-hmm. are both like, so they do like the, t- the flavors. I mean, but they just... I don't know yeah. So, you know, can you get more adventurous with that? Like, where do you start on Mexican and then just kind of like working your way up? You know, spices, Mexican is very, you know, chili powder, cumin, garlic, uh, even oregano, things like that. Like knowing what those flavor profiles are of those cuisines and then just maybe you make your taco meat with like a little bit of cumin the first time. And then as the kids get accustomed to that and they like tacos, like you can go a little more next time put a little spice in to start. And then can you like ramp that up as you go? We also put spices on the table. One of our favorite things is we have a lazy Susan on the table and we let the kids season their own food and not shame them for doing weird things. Like if my kids want to put yellow mustard on lasagna, we let them do that. Like giving them some flexibility. So we, we just have like for Mexican spice, we have the tagine seasoning, which is like a blend of like dehydrated chilies and garlic and lime. And we keep it on the table. And my daughter loves that. And she might put it on pizza. And that is, you know, weird. Uh, but that's what she likes. But just getting them used to that and making sure that I'm saying to them while I'm cooking, like, come smell this. Like, I'm very engaging with my kids, like opening the container of cumin and saying, come over, smell this, try this. And if you get them at a young age into that, um, what was I some spicy like oh fennel seeds and they're really interested in fennel seeds i said well it's like black licorice and they're like oh we love licorice jelly beans so i gave them the fennel seeds and the mortar and pestle and let them beat it and they could see you know how the flavors come out as you break it down like it's not an overnight thing i mean we had pizza for lunch today and they're both complaining and picking stuff off of it so it's not like they're super adventurous but they you know they have their things my kids favorite food is sushi and then ethiopian food which sounds weird right but I found that they like eating with their hands. If you've ever had Ethiopian food, you eat with your hands. So when we started taking them to the restaurants, they really enjoyed the fact that they didn't have to use silverware and they got to tor- tear this bread and do it. So that was like our gateway into Ethiopian food. And even though it can be spicy, I've learned to make some at home and make it not as hot. But I find any time that they're involved in the process, I make my own tortillas. And my kid's favorite thing to do is like help with the tortillas. Like one of them rolls the balls and then one of them presses it in the tortilla press and then hands it to me and I throw it on the stove. They're more likely to eat tacos on the night that they help make tortillas than on a night where I were to like open a package of flour tortillas. Now, I know that's probably not everyone's level of skill, comfort, and time, but just as an example, like how could you maybe even get your kids engaged so that they're invested in it? You know, that's, that's what we've had success with. And just buy some spices and try them. Like, um, I think bulk spices are great. Like if you go to Wegmans or a lot of places like that, they have the thing. Like if you've never had marjoram, they've got a big jar you can open up and literally smell it. And then you can just put a tablespoon in a bag and take it home. And it's probably going to be like 15 cents because you're only buying two tablespoons. And then you know, just stick your fingers in and try it and try it on chicken. And if you don't love it next time, try lavender or something, you know, that's that's how I'd approach it. If you're not familiar with spices, like maybe find a really cool place that has some bulk bins and start opening things and smelling them and just buying very small portions. Like research, like where are you guys getting recipes from? Are there websites, cookbooks? Are you not getting any at all? Are you just like banging your head against the wall trying to figure out what to do? Are you just cooking the same things over and over that you've always done because it's like what your mom did or something? 
I feel like I'm making the same thing every night. I keep joking, like in a different shape. It's like chicken again with rice and noodles again. And then I'll put like fresh, my kids don't like cooked vegetables, but they'll do like fresh fruits and vegetables. So I put out like fresh produce and then it feels to me like the same thing. And it's, I don't even want to eat it. By the time I'm done cooking it, I'm like, this doesn't even like appealing to me. <laughs> yeah. So, no, that, that gets tough for sure. But again, like, could you change that thing where you're like doing instead of chicken and noodles, could you one night like roast a piece of beef and do the same thing and have like the beef and noodles and have the same spices and just like gradually change it from where you started to where you were at the end? Or are they not that flexible? And I know it can be really tough with picky kids. Um, it's hard to say. Well, what are some what are some family what are some dishes that the kids like that maybe you would like to adapt or make healthier or be more like if they love mac and cheese is that something you want to keep but you want to find a way to like change it and make it more interesting or healthy or something you know so I'll, I'll jump in on this one so my kids they eat almost every night like chicken nuggets like every night it's chicken nuggets so we'll do like chicken nuggets and we'll put like some ranch sauce with it or, or applesauce or like yeah. something else. But like, how do I get away from, from chicken nuggets? They, they like mac and cheese too. So when you said that, it kind of brought it to in front of mind that, you know, so what, like mac and cheese, why chicken do they nuggets. Like chick, why do they like chicken nuggets? And uh, I mean, are they, do you feel it would be tough to get them to branch out? Like I would say, could you start by using the same chicken nugget, but put a sauce on it? Like, Essentially, chicken parmesan is chicken nuggets with sauce, right? Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. as a gateway, could you take the same exact chicken nuggets and see how it would go if you put a little marinara and mozzarella on and throw it back in the oven, like just to kind of get them there. And then maybe mm -hmm. if that flies, like the next time, now you're not using the chicken nuggets, maybe you go up to like the nicer chicken tenders and then you can get to the point where like, right. you're making it yourself. Just that, right. that's how I would kind of go at it. It's the same thing. Okay. Like, any of those dishes that would use a breaded chicken, start thinking about those, like a chicken piccata. Like, could you just, mm. you know, saute an onion and deglaze a little white wine and lemon juice and throw some capers and parsley in there and then put that over chicken nuggets? I mean, it sounds crazy, but that's mm -hmm. that's what it is. In a restaurant, if you get chicken piccata, it's just like a pounded chicken right. breast that's floured and pan seared with the sauce. Start thinking about some of those. What are the breaded fried chicken kind of dishes in a restaurant and can you do it with chicken nuggets at least to a start and then maybe wean them off the chicken nuggets mm -hmm. yeah because we always eat like like just chicken like chicken and maybe like some fish but it's, it's very limited and I, I don't think it helps because i just eat chicken or fish mm -hmm. um is that because you don't and, like and, eating beef or pork or any of that yeah other stuff? yes yes pretty much i haven't had it like forever and i don't know i'm just like not huge into eating like those type of mammals like chicken is, is my <laughs> which, extent which is totally fine and that's why like when i have my menus i try and make things universal like one of my favorite things is shrimp and grits and if you love shrimp and grits does anyone like shrimp and grits like if you i don't even know if you've had I, i'm getting a thumbs up so like that's yeah. one of those great dishes that can be made like 20 different ways because you can also do it with salmon. You can do the same preparation mm. with chicken. If you're vegetarian or vegan, you can do it with uh, tempeh. You know, at the core, it's like learn how to make a good pot of grits, right? Like mine usually have cheese in them or whatever. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. And then, yeah. And then you essentially make stewed tomatoes, which is like open up a can of diced tomatoes, saute up like one pepper, one onion, put the canned tomatoes in there. And that's that. And then you've got your grits, you put the shrimp on top and then the stewed tomatoes and maybe some scallions. Like at a very base level, that's how I do it. And once I've got that down, it's like, oh, I have a customer who's vegan. 
cool, I can just make grits without cheese and then still do like tempeh or tofu and put the tomato on top. Or, you know, if they eat chicken, so that would be like a good thing, like grill some chicken or broil some chicken mm-hmm. and then chop it up and put it on there. So that's, you know, I'm always looking at what recipes can be universal for any protein. So, you know, like a shrimp scampi you could do with chicken, just cut up some chicken and saute it in olive oil and hit it with some white wine and lemon and parsley and then toss it in pasta um, instead of shrimp. And I think mac and cheese is one of those things that you can put anything into. You know, I don't know how uh, how adventurous the kids are with that, but I would, you know, what are some of the things they really like that you can put into mac and cheese? Could you do a grilled chicken and chop it and fold it into mac and cheese and maybe get some vegetable in there somewhere? Like spinach. Could you saute up some spinach and chicken and then mix it into macaroni and cheese? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually haven't thought about that. So it's like, yeah, it's a great. Really yeah, great like I have a friend who has a mac yes. and cheese restaurant. It's literally a macaroni and uh, cheese restaurant, and he has all these menus, and he has these custom ones that he makes, or you can kind of do a build your own, and just kind of the same thing. Like I was talking about that template of you know he's got one that has um, cut up hot dogs and pickled jalapenos, and then has crushed Doritos on the top. I'm not saying the hot mm-hmm. dogs are the best choice, but maybe you could get like a lower fat turkey hot dog and mix it in there, and you know I don't know. Start thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Like pizza is another good one. Like if your kids eat pizza, like making flatbreads and stuff, like you don't have to buy frozen pizzas. Like buy, I love like the Indian naans that you can get at the grocery store and then just, you know, find the healthiest, lowest sodium tomato sauce out there or make like a very basic one on your own and just spread it on there and some low fat cheese and then you can get in with the toppings. And that's something I think the kids would make. You don't have to be making your own pizza dough. I would just buy like a pre-made, you know, something like that. But I think if you get them involved and maybe have some toppings out, maybe they'll go ahead and put some healthier stuff on there themselves. We love pizza night in our house. Do you have any other go-to sauces or things that can like change up a recipe pretty quickly that you'd recommend? You know, for me personally, I like uh, a Romesco sauce, which is like a roasted red pepper. Spanish sauce is just really like you can buy jarred roasted red peppers and puree it up in the blender with a little sherry vinegar and olive oil with some garlic, I think is a great, and it usually has almonds in it, but you can put any kind of nuts. So, um, you know, nuts have good omega-3 fatty acids, things like that. Like if you had walnuts in there, pecans would be good. Again, like you can start really mild, like just a little bit of vinegar and a little bit of nuts. It'll just, it'll bring everything out. Like when you eat at restaurants, food is good because they've added the right amount of salt often too much, but they at least salt their food, I think more than people do at home and acid. Like everything for me is going to have a vinegar or a lemon juice or something like that. Cause that's really what like opens up your mouth and makes things pop. And I think when you're missing things quite often, it's acid, you know, I'll buy a bag of five or six lemons at Aldi and keep them in the fridge. And if I'm even just like grilling chicken or baking chicken, I find if you just cut that in half and squeeze like a little bit over it's going to make a world of difference. Not so much that it's sour, but it will make it pop. And I think that's what a lot of people at home are missing are are things like that. Smoked paprika is my go-to spice. I don't know if anyone uses smoked paprika. Amazing. It gives everything like that grilled smoked flavor without having to have a smoker or on the grill. Like it probably goes on 80% of everything that comes out of my home kitchen, just like a little bit on there. And I know people think of paprika as like that old thing you used to use just for coloring. But if you've never had like a good smoked paprika and there's inexpensive ones, like there's a brand called Badia and they usually have them at like Mm -hmm. places like Aldi and, you know, pretty mainstream grocery stores. But I would just like pick up one of those and sprinkle a little on like that's a good gateway spice. 
because it, it's not hot. There are ones that say hot. If it doesn't say hot and just that smoked paprika, it gives everything kind of like smoky grilled flavor. Um, and it adds a little sweetness. Like I would just pick up one of those and just start putting it on stuff and seeing what people's response to that is. What's the difference between, um, like what is something that you would use smoked paprika on instead of regular paprika? Because I always use regular paprika. I do it in like chicken, um, you know, marinades or like just seasonings or whatever. And then recently I realized I was reading a recipe and it said smoked paprika. And I was like, hmm. And I got that Badia one that is yep. like really inexpensive and mm-hmm. from like the international aisle. And I have it, but I haven't used it yet. I would use I it on everything across. that any recipe says paprika for. Like I don't oh, even okay. buy regular anymore. It's, you know, traditionally gotcha. some of these okay. like um, Hungarian stew or whatever has them. I think like mm-hmm. your cooking game will just change. There's nothing in my opinion, that calls for regular paprika that you couldn't or shouldn't put smoked paprika in. So if you've got that, just start using it like immediately. Whatever you're making for dinner tonight, put smoked paprika on it. Yeah, I normally, I'll do just like random spices. Like I do garlic, onion, um, like basil, like random parsley, stuff like that to do on like chicken. And I'll either like, you know, kind of put some oil on it or just sprinkle it on the chicken. And I haven't used the smoked yet because I tried a little bit on my finger just to make sure it wasn't like spicy. And you can definitely just tell it has like that smoky flavor, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure what to use it on. So that's good. Thank you. I think, yeah. I think it goes good on everything. Like I use a lot of that at home. Okay. Good to know. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I like that, that idea of just like buying a random spice and not being afraid to try it. But again, like if you, if you have a grocery store that has bulk bins, it's also so much more inexpensive for a better quality product. Like if you look at, just like bay leaves. If I need bay leaves and I go to the spice aisle at Wegmans, they're like, I don't know, $3.99 for a jar and you maybe get 10 of them. Like five aisles down in the organic section, they have the bulk bins. You can buy the same amount, like 10 bay leaves and it probably costs you like 27 cents in the bag and you only need to buy what you need. And I think people aren't even looking at that. Like any place that has those bulk spices, they're probably better quality. Most of them are organic. i I'm, can't even think of a place that sells bulk spices that it isn't an organic line. And you're not paying for all the packing of like a glass jar and all that stuff. So that money goes right back to you. So you're only spending like a quarter to 50 cents on these spices. Cause I knew it's limiting when you have a recipe for a curry and you have to go and you buy this like four 99 jar of curry powder um, from McCormick. And then maybe it also calls for another spice. And you're looking at like an $8 um, putting out for, for spices that you don't even know if you're going to like. So again, the, the bulk spice aisle is your friend. I have a question about garlic. Yeah. So do you think that it's really worth it to actually mince your own garlic? Because I feel like that's like a time saver of just opening the jar. And never like- buy the jar. The jar is the worst thing. I don't know any chef yeah. who would ever recommend using it. It starts to go okay. rancid. It's bitter. It gets an off taste. It's funky in my life. I I will never allow that in a professional kitchen <laughs> I work in. I'm going to go so throw my jar away. Uh, you would nah. be, you would. I would rather have you buy granulated. I use a ton of powdered garlic, tons of like the dry, fine granulated garlic, not salt, but like granulated garlic. Um, Because like if I'm doing a steak, like if you're cooking a ribeye steak or a filet mignon, there's no effective way to really like mince fresh garlic and put that on there because it's chunky. I will Mm -hmm. sprinkle the granulated garlic on that and that'll kind of set on there and get absorbed into the meat. So I'm a big fan of dry granulated. That stuff in the jar, it just gets old. Like the the longer garlic sits, the funkier it gets. And it gets this bitter, acrid flavor to it. Um, Another interesting thing about garlic, if you have a recipe that has garlic and lemon in it, 
Um, by putting the lemon juice on the garlic before going any further, it neutralizes whatever enzymes are in the garlic that give it that raw bite. So like if you're making hummus, most recipes have garlic and lemon in them. So my first step is I mince my garlic and put it in the food processor. Then I cut my lemon and squeeze it on there and just let it sit for 10 minutes. And there's some reaction where the fresh lemon juice is going to um, counteract that enzyme in the garlic. And then when you make your hummus, you're not going to have that like aftertaste of raw garlic as much. So um, and, cu- and cutting out the germ, if you start using fresh garlic, if you've ever cut it in half and it has the little germ that's starting to grow a new garlic and it's usually green, take that out. That's the most bitter part of garlic. And that's another one of those like restaurant garlic tricks. Like most professional cookbooks say, cut your garlic in half, take the germ out and then mince it. Interesting. Okay. So my good trick of just getting out the jar is yeah. not a good one. I no more jar. Just get out I the spice from and the and spice cabinet instead. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yes. yeah, my, my in-laws uh, live with us as well. And there, that's one of my father-in-law's favorite things. He always has this jar of garlic and I was like, please, like I've got a spice cabinet mm-hmm. with everything. Like don't make your meatloaf with that chopped <laughs> garlic. Just let's throw it out, get it over with. Yeah. Little tips like that though. They go a long way. I don't think, that's the thing is I don't think you need to have these crazy tips. It's just like that alone, I think would make some of your food taste better. It's just like not using the jarred garlic. And maybe you wouldn't realize that you were putting garlic on there. That was like old. And then you're eating it and you're like, Oh, this is bad tonight. And like, you didn't know it was from the garlic. I kind of have a, a similar question that Jen made me think of. I read with onions that once you cut an onion, say you, you need like half of a diced onion. So I have like a yellow onion and I cut it and I'm just cutting it. Not that it's, if you don't use the other half right away, it's bad to use it if like you can't wrap it up and save it. Basically, I read that a while ago that it said like, a, don't use an onion that's already been cut for because some reason. Because of what? Do you know? Um, Like it could go, I don't know, some like kind of like maybe it's already gone rancid once it's been cut or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was exactly. I have cut onions in my fridge all the time. Like I okay. cut an onion in half and then just take that other half. And just for me, it will start to break down a little bit. And then that smell travels. Right. Like if you've ever put a half a cut onion in your fridge, everything's going to smell like it. Like I will mm-hmm. wrap it up in plastic and then maybe put it in a Ziploc bag and throw it in That's the what I do. I but That's you're, what you're I not, was doing, yeah. Yeah, okay. you're not going to get any issue with there. I mean, going back to the garlic thing, I think the interesting thing is I'm sure they're like heating it commercially, but like you never want to make your own infused garlic oil. Like you can have botulism and that's kind of like what I'm thinking about with the onion. Yeah, because Maybe they grow something they, like that that they I grow read. in dirt. And if you were to take like garlic and mince it and just put it in a thing of oil and stick in the cupboard or whatever and haven't heated it, you could actually make botulism which is like the worst thing that'll that could kill you so they always warn against kind of like making garlic oils i don't see that with onions i mean but the same thing i I don't think anyone does i wouldn't make like an onion oil but if you're just taking like a half an onion you can totally stick that in the fridge i have a lot of times where i only need half and then put it back in there and you'll be fine yeah and i didn't want to be wasteful and I, i wish i could remember exactly what i had read something about it would do something and make you sick like if you've had a cut onion and you're saving half and then in three days you go to use that half to cut it up and put it in something else that it could make you sick if it's already been cut or something like that. So obviously it wasn't a very good source, but I didn't want to be wasteful. So I would, I always try to now buy like the smallest onion that I can and I've only been like using what I need and now I'll just buy another one when I need another one. Yeah. If you defer to restaurants, like restaurants would never be prepping everything the day of, they're always prepping out. You know, there's a guy in a restaurant who's cutting 
you know, 50 pounds of onions and dicing them and throwing them in the walk-in, you know, if it's a Mexican mm-hmm. restaurant and then throughout the course of the week, they're using those onions and salsas and they're using them in fajitas and everything. You know, there's, I've never seen that. I mean, I'll look into it cause that's okay. an interesting thing, but that's good to know though. Cause it was probably, yeah. you know, fake news or something. There, so. there are very few things that I would not save once I cut or use. I don't think anything you're going to have issues with that. Okay. I mean, you do start to lose some quality there. Um, but no, there's no fresh produce that, you know, you can cut a tomato, put half in the fridge, whatever. Mm-hmm. But cool. I think onions are going to be good. So don't worry about that. Okay, cool. Thank you. You're welcome. So do you have any ideas? I'm sick of making breakfast seven days a week huh. and like when we get school, I'd be like, here's a waffle. But now I feel bad because I'm like, okay, I should try a little bit harder. But I don't like there's waffles and pancakes from the freezer and then there's eggs. And I'm not making like a full breakfast, but do you have any ideas to make breakfast fun that's not like totally overwhelming? I wish I had something exciting. We buy like the 72 pack of waffles at Costco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all my kids yep. really want. They, you know, because even I'm not a breakfast eater. Like I find it hard to like roll out of bed and go right mm-hmm. into food. I'm like a 10 o'clock in the morning before I start doing that. You know, I mean, have you done, would they eat like one of those overnight oatmeal? Have you ever tried those That's before? what I was going to suggest. Do they like oats, Michelle? They, you know, I, they do actually. And I make them for myself. So I don't know why I haven't thought to like make some for everybody. Like I'll do because it. Because you could make yogurt all oh, up the night before. And then you could yeah. set out toppings and like have everybody pick yeah. their toppings like to put on top and it would be like fun for them. Yeah. And that's a hot one. Have you ever done the cold o- overnight oatmeal? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, that's what that I found. Because you can infuse anything in there. You know, you put some maple syrup in there, and we mm-hmm. almond milk, and I have one that you know. There's all these cookbooks and recipes online where it's like putting cinnamon and nutmeg and everything, and it tastes they're so like easy. Hot. Yeah, yeah, we've done that a couple times. My wife and I tend to like that better than the kids do, too, though. Mm-hmm. You could also heat them up, even if you make them overnight and they're cold and they prefer hot in the morning. You can just, if it's you know a heatable jar or container, heat it up or dump it in a bowl heat it up and then be like, okay, here's blueberries and strawberries and, you know, yogurt to like pick what you want to put on top or something. Make it like a yogurt bar or oats bar. And we've had some success with those like power bars, you know, that are like balls. Like they have the, you know, whatever, essentially kind of the same thing, making these like super power where it's got like quinoa in it and pureed dates and whatever. And they're like these little things you can just pop in your mouth and they're like a hundred calories and full of protein and stuff like that. But no, we're, they'll eat a fried egg um, or they'll have a waffle. That's pretty much what we're doing for breakfast in our house. Maybe I can get them to eat some fruit. But And now with them at school, I mean, it's not always the best choices, but when they're in school, their school provides them breakfast at their school. So we, during the school year, aren't even doing food that much. I mean, sometimes it's like a Nutri-Grain bar, which I don't think is the best. But the kids say, oh, we get free breakfast at school. So you're like, okay, I guess go with that. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Anything else? Any other things anyone's looking for specifically? I know that one of the ladies who's not on today, I don't think, but her, her only question was, like, do you have any really good go-to recipes when you have a limited, like, food available? Not, like, just mostly limited variety, I guess you'd say. Like, by the end of the week, if we're not going to the store a lot, you have your chicken and milk and, like, three of the things. No, no fresh produce sometimes. Yeah. Like, what's a really good... Do you have any good like three ingredient recipes? I know there's no such thing. You know, like, one of the things we, we do too a lot, thinking about like the clean out the pantry is like we do fried rice at our house. That's a big one too, because that's, again, like what do you have in there? It, do you have chicken? Do you have like one leftover pork chop? 
whatever you have, like, you know, you open the freezer and you can use frozen green beans, frozen peas, frozen corn, whatever. If you, you know, everyone for the most part, if they like rice has a bag of rice and you just boil up some rice and then get a frying pan. It doesn't even have to be a wok and throw a little oil in there and then throw in chopped chicken, you know, whatever, chopped pork chop, the rice, the bag of frozen veg and just hit it with a little um, soy sauce. And then anything on top of that's extra. If you've got like a Chinese five spice or something like that, you can add it. But at very basic, like we'll just fry up some rice with whatever protein vegetable we have and hit it with soy sauce. And that's usually a pretty big hit around the house. Mm. The same thing, my kids eat quiche and it's the, another thing where it's like, we just, what do we have in the deli drawer? Do we have sliced ham? Do we have pepperoni? Do we have shredded cheese? You know, just, so we'll buy some pie shells and keep them in the freezer. And that's a quick, just scramble up a couple eggs, hit it with a little milk and throw it in a pie shell with deli meat and cheese. And then, you know, that's a meal that we can feed, you know, a family of four with one quiche pretty quick and, and reasonably priced. That's a good idea for breakfast even too. If like, it's the same food, but if you like did bacon and eggs and threw it in a pie dish, they would probably be like, Oh, breakfast pie. And they'd probably think it was like the best thing ever. Yeah. We, we have and to call it egg pie. Mm-hmm. You can also do oh, it I as a strata. Like if you don't have a pie crust, do the same thing, but with um, bread, you know, like a savory bread pudding. And that works great if you have leftover stale bread. So you can just chop up a couple slices of white bread, or if you have whatever, half a baguette in there and mix it in a bowl and pour all the eggs and stuff and just let it soak a little bit and then put spray pan spray in a glass baking dish and just put it in bacon in the oven. So you don't need to have a pie crust or anything. Like if you have any kind of bread at home, just chop it up. Uh, and the night before it's actually better if it soaks up. So we'll just dice up some bread, throw it in a greased dish and then just pour the egg and everything over it and let it sit in the fridge overnight. And the next morning you can just turn on the oven and throw it in and bake it up. And then you can cut a nice slice out of that. Hopefully that helps. But those are a couple of my favorites. Like again, anything that you can customize and throw leftovers in or do with whatever you have. So for me, I guess like the fried rice, the quiche, the strata, the pizzas, any of those things, just whatever you got, put them on there, put them in there. I have a question about like uh, an easy recipe for an instant pot. So I really like taking like chicken breasts and just throwing like a jar of salsa in or Mm -hmm. something like that. That's like easy. Do you have any other ideas besides like salsa that you could like literally just like open the jar, maybe throw a couple spices in or something simple? Yeah. I mean, then and if you're doing jar stuff, like any of those jar things, like um, we like Indian and there's all these curries and stuff like just, we'll do that quite often is just buy a jar of some like butter chicken sauce or uh, korma sauce and just open that and take whatever protein chicken um, and throw it in there and just like let it go. Uh, I do big cuts of meat in my pressure cooker. Like I'll get a pork shoulder and cut it into smaller chunks and then just cover it with a box of um, chicken stock and then whatever spices I'm feeling or sometimes no spices at all. So it's very neutral and then it's shredded and you can do whatever. So I'll take a pork shoulder and just simmer it. And maybe I'll throw a couple of cloves of garlic and chicken stock in there and cook it. And when it comes out, shred the meat. And then once that's cooked, we'll bag it up into smaller bags and throw it in the freezer. And then we can do pork for, you know, carnitas tacos one night, but you could also take that pork and then, you know, put it on, um, put one of those like Indian sauces or something on it. So just cooking the protein ahead of time, having it in the freezer and bags and then being able to pull it out and using it. So that's what I use mine for is to just do big batches. The same with chicken. Like I'll just do braised chicken in my pressure cooker and then we keep cooked chicken in there. We also grill and roast chicken. My wife, her favorite is to have cooked chicken in the freezer for salads during the week for work when she was taking stuff to work. So we'll just buy a whole pack of chicken 
and cook them all up. And once they're cooled, dice them down and do little sandwich Ziploc bags and put a dozen in the freezer and just take them out as needed, you know, the night before and let them thaw overnight in the fridge. And then you can put an honest salad. You can add mayo, make, you know, chicken salad sandwiches, do any of that stuff. That's a good idea. Yeah. Anything you can prep ahead and get out of the way. That's what I like doing. Yeah. What are you having for dinner? And then make sure you uh, connect with me later to give your contact information and then I'll pass yeah. that on. Your yeah. Tonight, what, what are you having for tonight we're having yeah, a tort- spinach tortellini soup. So very easy. We're just like mm. sauteed celery mm-hmm. and onion and um, boxed chicken stock. And then we're taking some frozen tortellini and then we pre-boil them separately so it doesn't soak up all the liquid in the soup. And then we'll just drop those in there and uh, some spinach. And that's another one where you could you don't have, you could put little mini meatballs in there if you want. You could put slices of sausage. Um, and that's one of our favorites as well. So yeah, that's what we're doing tonight. Just soup and then some good bread. Yeah. If you want to, I'll connect with you. And if anyone wants to uh, get me their email addresses, I'll send you packets on like some of my favorite recipes, some of these things we've talked about, like my pantry list and all that. So I'll follow up with you guys and send you that. So you have some of those things and then you have my contact info and reach out to me. Like I'm on Every social media platform, I'm sharing recipes every day across my Facebook page, my website, all that stuff. If you're into baking, I've been making a loaf of bread or something every single day. I have three recipes for focaccia that I've made this past couple of weeks. I've made homemade tortillas, molasses cookies, a bunch of weird stuff too. So yeah, any questions about food or cooking, I'm easy to get a hold of. Thank you. It's awesome. We really, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. This has been fun. I'm, I'm hoping to do more of these with people in the next couple of weeks or however long we're sitting here doing this, you know? Thanks so much. I hope this helps. And please, I'd love your feedback. Try some of these things, especially with your kids, and let me know how it goes. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or sponsoring a show, please let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.